0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 205 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network do you believe? I'm your host, Chris Tripodi. And with me, as always, is Tony Pauline. And we're back this week with our final conference preview for the 2022 NFL Draft, of the Pac-12. But we are also just past week one of college football now, where Ohio State survived Minnesota last Thursday night. The Gophers lost running back Mohamed Ibrahim to a nasty season-ending injury. The next night, North Carolina couldn't quite survive Virginia Tech, in Sam Howell's first game since losing four skill players to the NFL. And then Saturday, the Georgia defense put the clamps on Clemson in a 10-3 win. And the day after that, Florida State almost upset Notre Dame in a game that went to overtime. Obviously, a very full weekend of college football. A lot happening.
1: Tony, what's out to you? Well, I I mean, you you mentioned North Carolina losing all their skill players, two receivers, two uh, running backs, all who are in the NFL, but it was their offensive line that was absolutely horrid, which I found surprising because the offensive line was supposed to be one of the strengths of the team. I was, I don't want to say mortified, but I thought the Oklahoma defense who I poured glory on last week, just played terribly against Tulane. Tulane played a great game. giving a lot of credit, but I thought the uh, Oklahoma defense really was just, ridiculously porous and they got to get that uh, situation set up. I also thought the Indiana defense played really poorly uh, in, in that loss to uh, Iowa. I mean, they were really weren't in that game from the get-go. And we will get to this week's show in just a minute, but first a word from our sponsor.
0: It's that time of year again, and all eyes are
1: now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest, the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor contest pool, now open at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your
0: mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. You can also take advantage of their opening day super promo Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener. Yes, that is tonight between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded. This is up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100.
1: Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts.
0: Now, the Pac-12, 28 players drafted in April, three first-rounders, eight more on day two, a bit better than the Big 12, which we went over last week among the power conferences, certainly, though, lagging behind the Big 10, the SEC, and the ACC. And this is really a conference full of haves and have-nots. Half of the Pac-12 probably won't have very many players drafted or drafted high, but the other half definitely has potential to provide both high picks and a high volume of picks. Tony, what do you think about the Pac-12's outlook for 2022 compared to 2021?
1: Well, I think they could have the top rated player in the draft who we'll get to. Don't know that he's going to be the first player selected, but he could be the highest rated. Uh, You've got a lot of players from USC, a couple of players from Washington. And speaking of USC, once again, the Trojans will have a highly rated quarterback, uh, someone who's probably going to go top half of round one. Better just hope that uh, he does much better than all the other top half of round one quarterbacks that have come out of USC and have faltered and never really lived up to expectations. Now we'll start off the Pac-12 after this message from our friends over at Balance 7.
0: So I don't know if you heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon.
1: And apparently he's trying out for Pau Gasol's team. Lamar has been taking a new product he owes the credit to balance seven balance seven is a pH balancing alkaline supplement drink. It's like vitamins or supplements in liquid form, just one ounce a day, three times a day. And in a week, you'll see the effects. And even for non-pro athletes like me and Tony, although I'm sure Tony
0: would argue who's the next closest thing for a spell balance seven can help with hydration and oxygen levels, making workouts both easier and more effective and, and, As we all get
1: older by the day, that's certainly a big key to keeping active and staying in shape without injury. And anything that's going to make my workouts easier, I'm up for it. That's definitely for sure. You can see how Balance 7 has helped. And right now, if you go
0: to balance7.com and use the promo code BELIEVE, you'll get $10 off their 32-ounce bottle. The bottle lasts 11 days, which really is the
1: perfect amount of time to feel the pH-balancing drink go to work. Again, head to balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V for free shipping. I did. If it worked for Lamar Odom, it can work for you too. Now on to the meat of the show. The 12 teams that make up the
0: Pac-12 Conference, starting with Arizona. The Wildcats had two draft picks in April, both of them coming in round six. Defensive tackle Roy Lopez and running back Gary Brightwell. Now Arizona has had a player selected in three Of the past five drafts and looking ahead to 2022 really unlikely that that's going to end up being four out of six although they do have another defensive tackle near the top of their udfa prospects and that is defensive tackle trey mason 20 tackles one and a half for loss in 2020 in the opener against byu though eight tackles also one and a half for loss has great height frame doesn't quite match the height but if you can build on that game one performance could end up boosting his draft stock. Center Josh McCauley, not quite as tall as his teammate. A little bit stouter. The 2016 walk-on, who started the past three seasons. Not a great athlete, though, which keeps him outside draftable territory. Tony, what are the odds either of these guys can slide into the late rounds?
1: A very minimal. Uh, I think I've got as good a chance. And uh, granted, I'm being sarcastic. But, I mean, Arizona, it's been a disaster there. They've gone through how many coaches? The final game of last season, I mean, they were losing to uh, our interstate rival Arizona State it was almost 28-0 by the end of the first quarter. Um, it's going to take a couple of years, a couple of good recruiting classes. They did play a good game against BYU on Saturday night. You mentioned McCauley, hardworking, uh, hustle-type guy, doesn't have a great upside. Trey Mason is a solid player who I think had the, had good tackle numbers on Saturday, but he's more of a gap occupier than a true playmaker. Interested to watch Trayshawn Hayward, the on again, off again, on again transfer from uh, Western Michigan, who had a good game against BYU. A shared under six foot one, just under 225 pounds, runs and plays in the high four sixes. I had eight tackles Saturday night at, in his uh, debut for Arizona. A good run and chase linebacker, but I think like McCauley as well as Mason, you're looking at an undrafted free agent. Now, Arizona State, one
0: player drafted in 2021. One of our favorites, actually, wide receiver Frank Darby to the Falcons in round six, eight straight years with a draft pick for ASU. haven't had more than five players drafted since 2000, but that actually could change in 2022. Junior quarterback Jaden Daniels, no luck to declare for the 2020 draft, just a true junior, but he has been the starter since day one as a freshman, 22 touchdowns, three interceptions, over 600 career rushing yards, and seven touchdowns on the ground. In 17 games so the dual threat ability with him is obvious he can make all the throws just has to work a bit on his accuracy it's around 60 percent for his career but he did start this season 10 of 12 albeit that was against southern utah explosive senior running back rashad white joins daniels on offense averaged 10 yards per carry on 42 totes in 2020 after his transfer from junior college had seven carries for 64 yards and two touchdowns in that opener against southern utah it's got good size, but also speed and quickness. On defense, a pair of intriguing cornerbacks, Chase Lucas and Jack Jones. Lucas has better size. Jones likely the better athlete. But Lucas is a bit more polished and doesn't come with the off-the-field baggage that helped get Jones booted from USC a few years ago.
1: A lot to like with Herm Edwards' squad here, Tony. And if you ever watch Arizona State, especially on defense, they play a punch-in-the-mouth, a tough style of defense. They they are hard-hitting Group that really hits through the uh, whistle. Uh, but they just can't seem to finish. Now, last year, uh, I believe they played four games. Half of their season was canceled. Uh, constant uh, cancellations because of COVID. Go to Jaden Daniels. He's a tall, thin guy. He's a terrific athlete. He's a lethal threat to pick up yardage with his legs. He's got a strong arm, but very inaccurate. Really, he's got to go from thrower to passer. Uh, I, you know, he's got, Right now, I grade him as a third rounder. Scouts I've spoken with have him as a fourth-round selection or a fourth-round prospect. He's got a great amount of upside, but he's really got to improve his passing, his accuracy, and his pass placement. I like both of the cornerbacks, although I have Chase Lucas graded slightly higher. He's a little bit uh, stouter at the point uh, than uh, Jack Jones. He's been a bit more consistent uh, on the field. He's probably not as fast as uh, Jack Jones, but I really like his ball skills they got some other players up front. they got J.D. Davidson, uh, a big, tough defensive tackle. they got another kid by the name of Jermaine Lowley. I have him as a six-rounder. There are some scouts who feel he's a fifth-rounder, defensive end, six one and a and a half, 308 pounds, more of a three-technique type, but a guy who gets the most from his ability. Uh, I've got nine Arizona State players with draftable grades. All of them are day three prospects after Jaden Daniels. A lot of good players there who I think could move up draft boards. Now moving on to Cal,
0: one selection in this year's draft, fourth-round cornerback Cameron Bynum, another favorite of the show, actually. The Golden Bears should extend their draft streak to three straight years in 2022. Quarterback Chase Garbers is a player we've talked about for a couple years here. Doesn't have great size or arm strength. He's not a plus athlete, but he takes care of the football, seven interceptions in his past 14 games after throwing 10 as a freshman. guy who could eventually develop into a solid NFL backup pair of draftable linebackers for cal seniors kwani dang and cameron good dang is tall and long had 119 tackles seven and a half for loss with three sacks in 2019 31 tackles in four games last season he's a better athlete than his teammate but good has been more productive as a pass rusher 22 tackles for loss and 12 and a half sacks the last two seasons even though he lacks the size that you would normally see in an edge rusher even a
1: stand-up linebacker breakdown cal for us, Tony. Yeah, Cal's benefiting from the fact that they've got a lot of super seniors. They had a lot of guys that were expected to be chosen at some point during the April's draft, uh, but they decided to come back. You mentioned Dung. You mentioned Cameron Good. Elijah Hicks, the safety, is another guy. You know, Dang and Good are, are are kind of contradicting styles. Cameron Good is a real good pass rusher, gets a lot of force up the field, but he's only 6'2 two half, 233 pounds, so he's He's more like a weak side linebacker in a conventional 4-3 lineup where, dang, when you watch him on film, he's very good in space, covers a lot of area on the field. He shows ability in coverage, but he goes 6'5 half, 247 pounds. You'd think he'd be the prototypical 3-4 outside linebacker that rushes up the field. Chase Garbers, uh, there are some scouts who are great underclassmen I've spoken to, think he's a free agent. I have him as a fourth rounder. He's a smaller guy. He's very accurate. He's very smart, terrific pass placement, but he lacks the great arm. I mean, he's more of a game manager than someone's going to carry a, uh, an offense on their shoulders. Uh, keep an eye on tight end Jake Tungs, who could slide into the late round. 6'5", 243 pounds, more of a blocker, a number three tight end the next level, but an absolutely devastating blocker. Colorado,
0: also one draft pick in April, Tackle William Sherman in round six. Five straight years with a pick for the Buffaloes after they had two years without one in 2015 and 2016. Senior linebacker, Nate Landman, a player that we've also discussed a lot on the show. He's back from a torn Achilles last year, just four tackles in the opener, but usually a tackling machine had a hundred plus in both 2018 and 2019 before his injury and the shortened season last year. doesn't have the big old school size or blazing speed, but he's just good at football. He's instinctive. Makes plays in every facet of the game, in pursuit, behind the line of scrimmage, and on the blitz, also in coverage too. What he just needs to prove this season is his health, and what he needs to prove after the season is his speed. Richard, sophomore wide receiver, Dimitri Stanley, 20 catches for 335 yards and one touchdown in six games in 2020, is a deep threat who should see more work in 2021 with KD Nixon gone from the Colorado program. Tony, this pair, certainly interesting for Colorado as is defensive tackle, Mustafa Johnson, who is was cleared to return to college after he went undrafted in April, break down the Buffaloes for us,
1: which is kind of surprising because if you listen to our show prior to the draft, I mean, most of the draft boards had Mustafa Johnson as a late round pick undersized guy, three technique type defensive tackle gets the most from his ability, but has growth limitations. I mean, Landman, as you said, uh, he's a smart, tough guy, great instincts, Constantly makes plays on the ball. He's not super athletic, but I think he's underrated in that area. Shows the ability to get out to the flanks and make plays. Gets depth on his pass drops. Now has to return from a significant injury. Show that no little effects from the injury. Show that it can go laterally. Show that he's got some decent speed. I grade him as a fourth rounder. I know there are some scouts that have him as high as the third round. I know there are some scouts that have him as late as the seventh round. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, a lot is riding on how he returns this season and how he works out prior to the draft. Dimitri Stanley is someone who I thought really improved their game from between 2019 and 2020. He's sort of a, a smaller or slim build type receiver, but he's got some home run hitting speed. He has a knack for the big play. Like his upside, I have him as a fourth rounder. I think he'd be a good number three slot receiver at the next level. They're going north to Oregon. Five players drafted
0: this year, including number seven overall pick, Penny Sewell, and second round safety, Javon Holland. And Oregon could have a player drafted even higher in 2022. Tony alluded to it in our open. And he's a player we discussed back in our top 10 mock draft several episodes ago. And that's edge rusher Kayvon Thibodeau, currently day-to-day with a sprained ankle, which is good news because, after all, he was in a walking boot on the sideline during this past weekend's game against Fresno State. Did manage a sack before getting hurt in the first half and had 23 and a half tackles for loss and 12 sacks in 21 career games before the season just a freak athlete who doesn't take plays off room to grow into his frame as well, which would certainly give him even more versatility to line up both on the line of scrimmage and as a standup linebacker, Richard junior wide receiver, Devin Williams, 15 catches, 286 yards and two scores last season in six games. Didn't catch a pass in the opener though. Great height, also a good athlete, but he needs to carve out a bigger role and produce with that role to live up to the hype as a prospect. CJ Verdell though, has produced plenty as a running back. Feels like he's been around forever. Had 1000-yard seasons in both 2018 and 2019. Doesn't have great size, but he's not tiny either. He's got very good speed, hits the hole with good burst. Certainly more to talk about with these Ducks Tony than the
1: guys I just went over. Go ahead. Yeah, a lot of draftable prospects here. I'm looking at almost a dozen guys on my board from Oregon that have draftable grades. Uh, obviously it all starts and ends with uh, Thibodeau. I I mean, the guy is everything you expect him to be. You hear all this hype and then you watch the film and and the film matches the hype. Uh, He's a guy who is tough to stop. He plays with great balance, great body control. He's explosive off the edge. I love his intensity. He just goes, goes, goes on every single play. Good change of direction. It's a shame what happened this weekend against Fresno State. And if you watch what happened, his own teammate rolled up on him. Which resulted in the uh, in the ankle injury. Oregon plays Ohio State this weekend, a game I will actually be attending. Ohio State has two very highly rated or highly thought of offensive tackles. I hope Thibodeau can play. Uh, it, it you know it's it it's an unfortunate thing the way he got injured. I don't think it's going to matter because right now he's the number one rated prospect on my board overall. Scouts I have talked to have given him a top fifteen grade. Uh, as you said, comes out of a three point stance, can stand over tackle. He is the type of defender that opponents at the next level are going to have to game plan around. Devin Williams is a transfer to Oregon. He's not even listed on the, uh, on the starter and the depth chart, but he's the, the, definitely their best receiver prospect. He's tall, he's shorthanded. He adjusts well to the error uh, pass, displays the ability to, to grab the ball out of the air. It's just a matter of him getting more playing time and getting more repetition right now. I've got a third round grade on him. That's how highly I think of him. Jalen Redd is probably the best Oregon receiver. The problem with Jalen Redd is he's five, seven and a half, 175 pounds. But you'll watch the film and he's constantly making big play after big play, making the tough reception. It's just that it's not that he can't play at the NFL, it's just that there's not a big market for receivers in the draft that are five, seven and a half. A lot of other players, Alex Forsyth. Uh, on the offensive line, the center, on the pivot. He's a tough slug it out guy. I have a fourth round grade on him. You mentioned C.J. Verdell. You know, a lot of those Oregon running backs, especially the smaller backs, and he goes five, seven and a half, 195 pounds, have not not really lived up to expectations. I do like the guy he shares time with, Travis Dye, who's a little bit taller, not as fast, but he's more complete. Travis Dye is a terrific interior runner. He's a terrific blocker. He's an outstanding pass catcher. I have Verdell rated slightly higher than Dye, but I wouldn't surprise me if two or three years into their pro career, Dye is the better NFL player. It goes on and on for Oregon. Michael Wright, the uh, third-year junior cornerback. Michael Pittman, the third-year junior receiver. they got a, receiver, uh, a safety by the name of Rowan McKinley, uh, the third, fourth-year junior. A lot, a lot of next-level talent on that Oregon depth chart. Now staying
0: in-state and looking at Oregon State, Two selections in the 2021 draft, including third-round cornerback Nashon Wright, a surprise to many. And Oregon State, probably unlikely to see a day-two repeat, but there are definitely a couple late-round prospects to watch on the roster. Tight end Tegan Quitoriano stepped into a bigger offensive role last season, had 14 catches for 185 yards and one touchdown in seven games, had two catches for 42 yards in this year's opener. Great size, certainly a good blocker but more of a throwback tight end than a modern day seam stretcher or a guy who can flex out into the slot. Safety Jaden Grant, 69 tackles in 19 games past two seasons, at least two interceptions each of those years as well. Well, on his way to matching that this year already has one from the opener. Doesn't have great size though. Also doesn't have great athletic ability, which is probably going to cap his draft stock a little bit and keep him confined to day three. But Grant can play the run and he can play the pass. Definitely has backup and special teams type of potential at the NFL level.
1: Yeah, and he's a smart guy. He's got good instincts. He shows decent range. He plays much more athletic than uh, scouts give him credit for. I have him as a six rounder. Most scouts I've talked to feel he's more of a free agent, undrafted free agent, priority, not even a priority free agent. Uh, the the the, uh, the tight end Quintario, Quintarino, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, he's a good, solid tight end. He's just not a great athlete. I think he's a late rounder who projects as a number three where I think he'll do well as both a blocker and a short intermediate range pass catcher in the NFL.
0: Now the back half of the PAC 12 is coming right out after this word from our new sponsors at play action pools. Exciting news. Our podcast is partnering with
1: playactionpools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com Football Pick'em Challenge, which is open to everyone. Chris, tell us how it works. Sign up for our contest,
0: Believe Football Pick'em at PlayActionPools.com and then get your picks in each week. We'll select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC
1: shoes. To enter, just go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest B L E A V, believe football pick 'em. That's believe football pick 'em.
0: And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got survivor and pick 'em contests, as well as a cool sportsbook style concept
1: called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools.
0: Now, onto the back half of the Pac 12 starting with Stanford, five draft picks in April, including second-round tackle Walker Little and third-rounders Davis Mills and Paulson Adivo. Just late-rounders for the 2022 draft, though. But there is another offensive tackle among them, left tackle Walter Roos, a two-year starter on the left side. Really nice size and length. Could potentially stick at left tackle long-term. But right now, not quite rated as a top 100 guy. And neither is another tackle, defensive tackle Thomas Booker, 71 tackles, 11 and a half of them for loss, five sacks in 18 games the past two seasons. A good athlete who can make plays in the middle of the line. And then wide receiver Bryson Tremaine taking on the number one role with Simi Fahoko gone. 14 catches, 265 yards in six games last year. Already has five receptions for 62 yards and scored the Cardinals' lone TD in the week one loss to Kansas State. It's got great size, but struggles to create consistent separation, which... I mean, we've seen time and time again over recent drafts in recent years that really
1: makes it tough to be anything more than a late round pick if you can't separate from defenders. Yeah, I mean, I said in my preview at Pro Football Network about Stanford. I, I think they're about to hit a dry spot. Uh, this is a program that consistently found ways to compete. They have players anywhere from the early part of round one through day two, but it you know the, the roster really because of. Recruiting has been subpar, whatever the reason. And sure enough, they go out and they lose to Kansas State on Saturday. We're never really in the game. Thomas Booker is a tallish defensive lineman, 6'4, 308 pounds. He's relatively athletic. He's got a good amount of upside. I think he's got some versatility. You can use him on the inside of a four man line, you can use him as a uh, a two gap end and a three man front. I don't know that he's going to be a great playmaker, but I think he'll be very steady. You mentioned Rouse, good amount of upside. He's just got to develop his game. Bryson Tremaine is a tall, shorthanded receiver. But again, the question with those guys are, you know, can they separate at the next level or are they just big receivers that went out uh, on Saturday football? Now, UCLA, two players drafted in 2021, including
0: third round defensive tackle, Osa Odigizua. They have a couple prospects who could push for a spot in the top 100, but right now they are graded as fourth round picks. Offensive tackle, Sean Ryan and wide receiver, Kyle Phillips. Ryan has been the starter at left tackle since his true freshman season in 2019, good size and length, protects the blind side. Well, and definitely has room to grow. Whereas Phillips more on the smaller side, but he's very quick into and out of his breaks, 38 catches for 370 yards and two touchdowns in seven games last season. he has got four for 61 in one score in two games this year. And really UCLA has only thrown 38 passes in those two games. So it's kind of like a one game sample, but in those two games, Tight end Greg Dolchich, four catches, 132 yards, and a touchdown after he had 26 receptions for 517 yards and five scores in seven games last year. And in the win over LSU last weekend, 117 yards on three catches, including a nasty open field spin move, showing off his athleticism to shake a tackler late in the game. Tony, I know coming into the season, you wanted to see Dolchich step up his game after a solid 2020
1: campaign. Have you been impressed with what you've seen so far? So far, so good. Yes. I, I don't think uh, everyone is basking in glory at UCLA because of the win over LSU. I understand that, but I don't know how good LSU is going to be this year. A lot of opportunities, but bad quarterback play again, I think uh, led to their demise. But give credit where credit is due. I mean, it looks like it's going to be a very offensive heavy draft for UCLA with Sean Ryan, the big left tackle who's gotten better. Kyle Phillips, who's a shorthanded receiver. I really like what Dulcich did. I uh, want to see if he's able to continue up on that pattern. I had him graded as a six-rounder coming into the uh, season. And, and Quanterra's Knight, the safety who plays linebacker who, you know, is is got decent size. He doesn't have great speed, but all he does is make plays. He's a hard-hitting guy with great instincts who sells out uh to make plays on the ball which he usually does. And, and player who really goes unnoticed i mean few scouts talk about him i have him graded just outside of draftable quinton lake who's been a very good safety uh at ucla for the past three years came back for his super senior season uh doesn't have a great upside he's got uh, great bloodlines he's got great instincts uh and he's constantly around the ball more of a downhill or, or zone type safety who can also play special teams now on to usc
0: five selections in this year's draft with first-round guard Elijah Vera Tucker leading the way to the New York Jets. And another first-rounder could be on the way, and maybe a couple day two picks as well. And Tony alluded to this earlier in the show. It wouldn't be an NFL draft cycle if there wasn't some hype on a USC quarterback. Sam Darnold, obviously the last one drafted back in 2017. But then the next year, JT Daniels was the next big thing as a freshman. And then in 2019, another freshman took over, and has manned the position for the Trojans ever since. And that is Keaton Slovis got a little careless with the ball in 2020 after an impressive freshman season in 18 starts entering this year, 47 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. Now, he lacks really great size. He's not a great athlete, but he can make all the throws, can lead receivers and TRs after the catch. Has very nice feel as a passer when he is on. He is fun to watch. But like I mentioned, needs to protect the ball better, kind of like a smaller Sam Darnold type of player, if we're being honest but certainly still a potential first-round pick thanks to the tools that I mentioned. Wide receiver Drake London followed a solid freshman-day view in 2019 with 33 catches, 502 yards, and three scores in 2020. He was USC's most talented receiver over both Amon Ross St. Brown, who was a fourth-round pick, and Tyler Vaughns, who was a UDFA, and he's graded as such for the 2022 draft. He's also no longer playing basketball, focusing his full energy on football this season, and it showed in the opener 12 catches for 137 yards, plays above the rim and really finds ways to get open. He's absolutely one of the better receiver prospects in the nation. And then another Drake for USC, edge Rusher, Drake Jackson, 66 tackles, 17 for loss, seven and a half sacks in his first 17 career games, good strength and athletic ability, even at an interception in week one. I mean, really, there's lots of potential talent at USC. Once again, kind of like Oregon, Tony, break it all down for us.
1: You know, Slovis early in the season, he looked, you know, you understood why JT Daniels transferred to Georgia, uh, because Slovis looked like he was going to be the next franchise type of quarterback uh, to come from USC. Then he kind of petered out as the season went on, struggled against UCLA, and then just had a horrendous game in the PAC 12 championship against Oregon. Uh, Three of his seven interceptions came in that one single game. He barely threw for 53%, struggled seeing the field. was making poor decisions. So you got to wonder which guy we're getting back this year, especially once they start to get in the meat of the schedule. He's got the upside. He's got a decent arm. I like his not only just his accuracy, but his pass placement. He shows the ability to really throw the ball all over the field where only his receivers can make the reception. But the fact is, is you know, with Slovis, not only does he need to have a big season, then he enters the draft, he's got to get that albatross of, you know, recent USC uh, quarterbacks who have been miserable failures, who've never lived up to expectations, Sam Darnold, Matt Leinert, you know, Mark Sanchez, uh, I, I mean, except for maybe Carson Palmer. And I like Carson Palmer. There are some people who debate his NFL career. It's not been good for uh, uh, for USC quarterbacks, in large part, to UCLA quarterbacks. Slovis has got all the tools. He's just got to pull it together and then see, we'll see what happens at the next level. After that, as you mentioned, you know, Drake Jackson, very athletic, can stand over tackle, comes out of a three-point stance, makes a lot of plays up the field, shows the athleticism, the playing space. Drake London. A bigger receiver, wins out for the contested throws. I would usually say, you know, is this the next Hakeem Butler, the Big 12 type, Alan Lord type guys that we see who can't separate. But I like Drake London, just something about his game. Yeah, he wins out for the contested throws, but he finds ways to get open, which is why I grade him as a second rounder. Jalen McKenzie, I think, is an up-and-comer at the tackle position. I have him graded as a fourth rounder, which is about two rounds higher than most scouts. I also like the safety, Isaiah Polamau, who was a tough, physical, athletic safety who stacks well against the run and shows solid ball skills. A lot of, the, a lot of uh, draftable guys uh, on the USC roster and a lot of guys who, like Andrew Voorhees and uh, Eric pramana the tight end, Voorhees, the uh, offensive lineman, who are fringe draft guys that I think have slide into the late rounds with good seasons. Now, Utah. Nobody drafted this year for the first
0: time since 2008. Don't expect a repeat of that in 2022, though. Could even see a pretty early pick in linebacker Devin Lloyd, the Utes' leading tackler ever since Cody Barton and Chase Hansen left school. 12 tackles, two for loss, one sack, and one interception in the Utes' opener after he had 48 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, and two sacks in just five games last year. No real holes in Lloyd's game. He's got good size and athletic ability, He's good in pursuit. He can blitz. He's good in coverage. Really the whole package at linebacker. Some scouts have him as high as the first round. Others have him way later. Late round picks. Otherwise on the roster, though, for Utah, the best of the bunch, guard Nick Ford. He's played at least one game at every position on the line during his Utah career. 19 of his 26 starts, though, have come inside at guard. He's going to be playing center this year, though. So the versatility that he brings to the table is quite obvious. He's got good movement skills, but also another guy who gets a wide range of grades from scouts, really spanning several rounds. Where do
1: you stand on these two, Tony? When it comes to Lloyd, I think the fact that some scouts grade him as a late rounder, that's an outlier because the film doesn't match it. He gave serious consideration to entering last year's draft. In fact, at one point in time, it looked like he was going to. He decides to go back. He's got decent size, six foot three, slightly under 240 pounds. He plays like a safety with the range and the speed going sideline to sideline. But he also has that linebacker mentality. He sells out up the field. Really like his game. And I think he's a scheme versatile guy. I think he can play strong side. I think he can play weak side. I think he can stick him inside. He's got that ability to be a three down player, which is why I grade him as a second rounder. Nick Ford is a tough, well-sized offensive lineman. He just has to learn to bend his knees and play with consistent leverage. They got a couple of good uh, tight ends in Cole, Fotheringham, and Brian Quith, guys who are solid pass catchers, who are better athletes than given credit for. Fotheringham goes 6'4", 248 pounds, not a bad blocker at all. Quith is a little bit smaller, more of a move tight end. Both of these guys are late round picks who I think could be solid number threes, if not number twos at the next level. Now on to our last two teams in the state
0: of Washington, and we'll start with Washington. Four players drafted in April, first-round pass rusher Joe Tryon, and day two picks Levi Unwuzurige and Elijah Molden being the headliners. Several more potential day two options for the 2022 draft on the Huskies depth chart, which would have been led by a player trying to fill Tryon's shoes, Zion Tupuola-Fatui, but... He tore his Achilles in April, so his 2021 season was over before it even started. Definitely a name to watch for 2023, though. Whereas for now, linebacker Edifuan Lufosio made 47 tackles in 13 games as a freshman in 2019, 47 in just four contests last year. He's always around the ball, doesn't have great size, but definitely a potential day 2 pick based on what you see on film. As his tight end Cade Otten who led the Huskies with 18 catches for 285 yards and three touchdowns last year in the shortened campaign was easily the top target for Dylan Moses that year. And that carried over into week one as well. Eight receptions for 82 yards. Otten has solid size to play in line He's obviously polished as a receiver as well. And now we know that this year's tight end class for 2022 is stronger than the one we just saw in April, but regardless, Otten should be able
1: to find his way onto day two.
0: What do you think of Washington, Tony?
1: I think it was surprising that Otten didn't enter last April's draft where he probably would have been the third tight end selected somewhere in the second or third round. Still comes in with second round grades, excellent size, terrific pass catcher, not the fastest guy in the world. I mean, the type of guy that's going to go to the combine and run the four sevens, but he finds a way to get down the field. Also does a uh, terrific job uh, as a blocker. Uh, to Polo Fatui, it's it's a shame that he tore his Achilles because, wow, I, I mean, as I said, a pro football network, when you compare him to Joe Tryon, I think he's well ahead of where Tryon was entering his junior season, uh, which Tryon really never, never really played because he uh, opted out, but just an explosive guy, fierce up the field, strong for his size, someone who's unstoppable rushing the edge, but someone who also can make plays in pursuit uh, and it's a shame he's going to have to rebound uh, from that uh, Achilles injury. See what happens there. I grade him right now as a solid second round prospect. Some scouts who grade the underclassmen have given a third round grade. I absolutely think he's got first round potential. No doubt about it. Ula Foshio is sort of a linebacker version of Tupolo Fatui in the fact, in the sense that he's a little bit small, but he plays big football. Fires around the football field, sells out to make plays. Forces the action up the field and, uh, on, the, on the blitz. Shows ability in pursuit as well as in coverage. A real three-down linebacker. The issue with him is size. He's not the biggest guy in the world, which may reduce his appeal come draft day. I still grade him as a uh, second-round prospect. In fact, I, I have both of those guys, both of those defenders, graded slightly higher than K Dotton. a lot of talent on that Washington team. So staying in-state and going to Washington State, nobody selected in
0: 2021 after the Cougars had eight straight years with a draft pick. Should bounce back in 2022, though, with a pair of draftable prospects, one of whom could go on day two. That's tackle Abraham Lucas. guy We've discussed the past couple seasons, still very high on the NFL radar. He's a three-year starter at right tackle. Really just a massive dude. He's listed at 6'7". He's got good feet and athletic ability as well. Could easily end up as the second Cougars offensive lineman to go in the top 100 in the past four years with Andre Dillard being the other, and then running back Max Borgi limited by a back injury in 2020, just 10 carries last year, all of them coming in the finale against Utah, but had 127 carries for 817 yards and 11 touchdowns in 2019. But more impressively, he caught 86 passes for 597 yards and five touchdowns. That is unreal production for a college running back in the passing game. Had 11 carries for 86 yards in this year's opening loss to Utah State. He's a bit on the smaller side, but he runs hard inside. Obviously can catch the ball as well. But really,
1: not much else at Washington State. So, Tony, tell us about Lucas and Borgi. There are some scouts who absolutely love Borgi. I mean, I've seen late third or early fourth round grades. I haven't seen guys I've talked to have told me late third or early fourth round grade. I I just don't see with him. I think he's very good. Uh, obviously, he's a good pass catcher. I just don't see the ingredients of someone that's going to be a top 125 pick, which is why I grade him as a six rounder. Decent size, smart, but not the fastest guy, not the strongest guy. Can't say that about Abraham Lucas as far as strength. That that is his uh, that is his mo. Six foot seven, three hundred twenty five pounds. He's a masher. I think he's going to be a real good right tackle prospect at the next level. You really don't want to use him in motion or out on the second level too much. You don't want to put him in a zone blocking system. He's a real good pass protector though. Shows decent footwork off the edge, which I think projects well to the right side of the way he plays. Uh, That size and that power and the smarts he plays with. Does a good job with angles and body positioning. Does a very good job with his hands. Correctly places them into opponents. Uh, I, I think he's someone who... Listen, I mean uh, Brian O'Neill, who was a late second-round pick uh, of the Minnesota Vikings in 2018, just signed a massive deal today to become the second highest-paid right tackle so right, in, in the league. So right tackles, you know, is a coveted position, and I think that uh, Abraham Lucas has got all the ingredients to be a good player at that spot in the NFL. And that's it for the 205th episode of the Draft Analyst,
0: presented by bet online and the belief sports podcast network. Do you believe if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review and feel free to ask us any questions and give any feedback you may have as well. We'll be back next week to discuss actual football, the games that we saw this weekend, but until then for Tony Pauline, this is
1: Christian Prody. Good night.